I'm Ben Davies, and this is The Clear Money Mindset. And if we look all the way back to the 30s, retracing that much of a decline has never not signaled the beginning of a new bull market. Um, so all in all, I'd be inclined to say that we feel the worst is behind us at this point, but of course, we are still in extreme circumstances and should be prepared for volatility, as is always and true with investing. Welcome to the Clear Money Mindset, providing you with help and tips to manage your money in a clear and intentional way. I'm your host and financial advisor, Ben Davies. At Davies Financial Sterling Mutuals, we want to provide you with meaningful tips to help you with your money. More and more, I'm hearing people say, I cannot wait for 2020 to be over. For good reason, this year is becoming known for a lot of negative things, uncertainty, and change. We wanted to give you a market update and look at some of the positive things coming out of the COVID-19 pandemic and also some tips on how to approach your investments if you're young and have time and some things to think about if you're nearing or in retirement. Today I'm joined by Ogi Todorovich from Fidelity Investments. He will take us through current market conditions and give us some perspective on where we stand as we look ahead to the recovery from the pandemic. Well, hey, everyone. I am excited to be joined today by Ogi Todorovich. He is a district vice president with Fidelity Investments, which is one of the world's largest asset managers and a leading provider of financial services in Canada. In his role, he leads a team of sales professionals to provide consultation on financial products, investment strategies, and advisor practice management. He's also been with Fidelity since 2016 and has held numerous roles there within the organization over his time with them. Ogi graduated the University of Windsor with an honors bachelor degree in criminology. That sounds like a conversation for another day. And also his master of business administration with a concentration in finance. He has his chartered investment manager designation and is also pursuing a CFA designation Ogi, it's great to have you with us. It's great to be here, Ben. Thanks for having me today. One of the things we want to go over today, just trying to give clients a update on what's going on. Obviously, as we've been doing these podcasts, we're doing them at a very different time. Uh, the world is uh, in a different place than probably many of us can ever remember it being. And so navigating the financial markets is harder than usual. So for our clients listening, what, do you, what would you say is Fidelity's overall sense of the current financial markets right now? Yeah, it's a great question, Ben. So, you know, we started the year on a really, really strong note. We had great returns in 2019. We were entering 2020 with low interest rates, strong earnings, and a really con resilient consumer in the U.S. And then along came COVID-19, bringing the global economy to a complete halt. And on top of that, we had a collapse in the oil price. So yep. what that resulted in was markets taking a nosedive into bear market territory with the quickest speed we've seen in history. So over the past 50 years, it's taken an average of about 11 months for the S&P to fall 30%. Whereas this year, it only took about 30 days. Um, so about 10% of the time that it usually takes, making it one of the fastest declines we've ever witnessed. Mm -hmm. However, the bounce back was almost equally as aggressive with the S&P or the US market back nearing its highs again. So how do we make sense of this and what are we seeing today? There's a lot of people been out there pointing to a major disconnect between markets and the economy. 
But it's important to remember that the market is a forward-looking discounting mechanism. It's always looking into the future and discounting what market participants expect to happen. Usually it looks about six months into the future, um, but this time it's looking a little further out, more like 12 to 18 months and anticipating a big economic recovery. Many people will also point to valuations, which are somewhat extended uh, with the S&P over 27 times earnings for 2020, over 19 times earnings for 2021. But these valuations are nowhere near the, the levels they were in the tech bubble back in 1999, 2000. And these valuations can, can continue to expand from where they are right now, especially given the low interest rate environment. You know, earnings themselves are in a really unique position right now. Yes, they're implying the analyst consensus estimates that they're implying a sharp V-shaped recovery between now and 2021. But if we look at a curve of how those estimates have progressed, it's been actually very interesting because they've been very, very flat for some time now. And perhaps it's no surprise because we've received very, very limited guidance from companies, uh, which has been really unique because usually companies will go out, they'll give forward guidance on earnings, they'll tend to lower estimates ahead of reporting, and then they'll go out and beat those earnings. But we haven't seen that this time. So either analysts out there are comfortable with estimates or they just don't know given the limited guidance. And you know, I have a hunch that it's probably the latter. But despite those flat estimates, Economic data has been marginally improving. If we look at the Fed's uh, weekly economic index, which is a high frequency indicator, we've seen some improvements in economic data, but earnings estimates have remained flat. So, you know, maybe that indicates that there's some room for companies to beat earnings, which if that happens, and, you know, we're beginning to report this week, and so it'll be interesting to see how that progresses. But if that happens, it could be a catalyst for markets to rise higher. On the flip side, if we see a lot of earnings misses, um, that could be a catalyst for it to go the other way. But it's important to pay attention to the monetary policy response that we've seen as well. So central banks have been all in this year. They're taking a whatever it takes approach to get us all through this. And it's been really encouraging to see that response. Like an incredible amount of stimulus has gone into markets. Within the first couple of weeks, interest rates were lowered basically right down to zero. And it goes back to a really, really old saying in markets of don't fight the Fed because their balance sheet is infinitely larger than ours and they have an infinite capacity to take the other side of the trade for anyone selling. So for anyone who sold near the lows in March, they were fighting the Fed um, and that obviously didn't work out in their favor given the very steep recovery that we've seen. Now, I don't wanna paint too nice of a picture. There still are definitely risks out there. We have COVID cases spiking, especially in the US, the potential of a second wave in the fall, but you know we do expect earnings to recover from where they are now and again, the Fed's all-in approach is really, really encouraging for us to see. We've also retraced you know, well over 80% of the decline at this point. And if we look all the way back to the 30s, retracing that much of a decline has never not signaled the beginning of a new bull market. Um, so all in all, I'd be inclined to say that we feel the worst is behind us at this point. But of course, we are still in extreme circumstances and should be prepared for volatility, as is always and true with investing. Yeah, those are all great answers and uh, great information for our clients. Because yeah, it has been it has been something, especially for guys like you and I. You know, <laughs> we're younger and in this business, and we have a lot of clients as well who 
are the same, like younger clients, this is new territory for them. And even for our older, more seasoned ones, I mean, as we're talking to clients, this is brand new for them too. Like we're all kind of walking through this together, but there does seem to be this propensity in the human being to find a way to uh, keep working, to make things work, to adapt and to overcome. It's one of the most beautiful things about, uh, I think the human race is our ability to find a way to overcome challenges as they see it. And I think one of the things that I'm encouraged in in this downturn is you literally have the whole world working together to figure out a solution to this, which is cool. That's um, a great point, Ben. I, you know, I, I, I'm a big believer and you never want to bet against human ingenuity. And, you know, yeah. I don't know who it's going to be, if it's going to be a vaccine, if it's going to be somewhere else, but it, in generally speaking, you know, human ingenuity is something spectacular. And I think we all will find a way to get through this eventually. Yeah. And I mean, it shows who'd have thought, like, who'd have thought we'd be working from home and all the things that we've done to make sure businesses continue, make sure jobs are still there, that kind of thing. So as we look at the COVID landscape, we'll call it, what do you think are some good opportunities that have arisen? Because there's always that, right? Like even in every negative situation, there's there's somebody who's winning. So what are some of the opportunities that have come up because of COVID-19? Yeah, that's a great question. So yeah, to your point, there's there's definitely been opportunities out there. And the more growth-oriented managers have been the real stars so far this year, which perhaps is no surprise given that large cap growth has been the best performing equity style bias uh, for the first half of the year of 2020 by quite a wide margin. So our growth managers have been finding some fantastic opportunities, especially in technology and healthcare. So I'll give you an example. We can look at Mark Schmale. Uh, a Fidelity portfolio manager who runs Fidelity Global Innovators Class, along with a few other funds. But Fidelity Global Innovators Class is up about 47% this year as of closed yesterday on July 13th. Hmm. And how has Mark done this? Well, he, he's an investor that looks for positive change. So whether it's in you know the areas on the far right tail of the market that have really high valuations and high expectations, or on the other side of the market that are beaten down, He's looking for companies that are improving their fundamentals and incrementally getting better. So as an example, a company he owned this year that he's held the entire year was Zoom Video Communications, you know, which uh, sure enough, we're communicating over right now with. Yes. And you know, the stock that this year is up over 300%. And Mark bought the company because he thought more and more people would be working towards um, working from home and you know other methods of collaborating. And he liked the platform that Zoom had for it. And then the pandemic came along and really, really aggressively accelerated that trend for him. Uh, Another example of a stock he's held all year and for quite a long time, actually, is is Shopify, a longtime favorite of his, which is a company that's helping businesses and people thrive in the digital world. Um, So those are a couple examples of great opportunities he's found on the more growth-oriented side. We can also look to the other side of the spectrum amid the volatility Uh, We saw him adding to some of the most beaten down areas of the market, like cruise ships and airlines, for example, not because he thought they had some overly positive outlook, but because they were so beaten down and things got so bad for those areas that they thought there was the room for some incremental improvements um, for their fundamentals and certainly for their stock prices. Um, So that was another good trade that he made. We can look at, you know, Will Danoff, who runs Fidelity Insights Class and, you know, who's up over 15% this year. That's another great manager uh, who's also in the U.S. who runs the Fidelity Contra Fund, the world's largest actively managed fund. And he's also been finding some great opportunities in tech, um, but also likes healthcare a lot. That's an area that, you know, 
obviously has been a big talking point this year that, you know, beyond the shorter term is benefiting from some really powerful secular trends and an aging demographic that has some real opportunities and some really interesting innovation happening within it. Uh, but whether we look at, you know, the value managers or growth managers or core managers or anything, you have it. I think it's a wonderful time for active management right now where you have a company and a portfolio manager going in, leveraging their wide resources to figure out who the winners and who the losers are going to be and picking more of the winners and owning less of the losers. Because certainly we can look at how different areas of the market have done. And there's been an incredible disparity this year. So I think that lends yeah. itself really, really well to the power of active management. Yeah, which is one of the good things for clients to remember is um, barring us not being here in a year from now, which I think is a pretty uh, low, a low bet. There's so many companies that are on sale right now. And especially if you have a long runway, like if you're, if you're in your 30s, especially and you're investing for your retirement, uh, this may be one of the best opportunities you have in your lifetime. It'll, it'll, certainly go down as one of the greater ones where the markets were down this much and they fell so much. And you saw this too, I'm sure that, I mean, even banks were down a ton going into that downturn. So there were so many things that were on sale to be able to now have managers who uh, have already done the research, already watching certain companies, and now to see those things that they liked become even more attractive based on price. It's a good time to, to be in the market, even, even though, you know, it's uh, been a bit of a tough ride in the last couple of months. <laughs> so I want to look at this in two categories. And obviously, you know, as we're talking about investment planning, we understand that clients, uh, especially ours, they have an advisor and happens to be me, uh, <laughs> Hopefully. I hope, uh, or at least one among many uh, or some. So what I'm saying is we're not just, we're not just giving this advice and, and as telling our clients to just go out and do whatever, we're, we're helping them with these strategies. So it's an important thing to remember that as we look into things to be investing in that um, you need to talk to a professional before you go and pull the trigger on something. But let's break this down into two categories. Uh, younger investors and retired investors, we're, we're going to look at them differently. But if you're a younger investor today and you have lots of time, especially, you know, we're not talking about, hey, I need money next year to buy a house. So what can I buy that's high risk that I can make a thousand percent on and, and go <laughs> invest or take it out in a year? That's not what we're talking about. But for mm -hmm. someone who has a long amount of time and they're younger, what should the approach to the markets be right now? Yeah, that's a great question. And I, I think there's two different ways to look at it. We can look at it in terms of what we want to be investing in. And we can also look at it in terms of what our approach to investing should be. Um, so we'll start with the first part of that, what to invest in. And of course, you know, everyone has a unique situation with their own goals and their own constraints and circumstances. So I do think it's important to always talk to your financial advisor. But I can speak pretty generally on, on sort of my opinion and, and that of some of our macro professionals. And I want some growth style equities in part of my portfolio. So managers like Will Danoff that I mentioned, managers like Mark Schmale, um, for access to the companies that are continuing to experience secular growth and really growing their earnings. Not to mention that this is a style that's done exceedingly well and may very well continue to do well, particularly given the low interest rate environment. So I want some exposure to growth style equities. But on top of that, you know, 
I'd want some non-US equities as well, whether emerging markets or international, and maybe even some more value-oriented stocks for their lower valuations. Um, And also in the event that we see a style reversion where we see a comeback for some of those styles, so all of our eggs aren't in the same basket with respect to the style of equity. So diversified on the equity side, I also like ESG as well, which stands for environmental, social, and governance as part of the portfolio. So this is an area that's been getting more and more attention um, as of late. It's been a huge trend internationally, especially amongst institutional investors, where we've seen more and more people want to align their capital with their values and their morals. Um, It's also been linked to strong performance. Companies that have strong ESG characteristics um, tend to have stronger performance over the long term and actually through the COVID-19 volatility outperformed on the downside as well. Um, and as more and more people get interested in this area, I can see um, that, that relationship growing even stronger. And of course, you want an appropriate fixed income uh, allocation for, for diversification, including maybe some gold or inflation protection to protect against the erosion of your purchasing power as well, should we see a spike in inflation, which some people out there are calling for. Um, so that's kind of some thoughts I'd share with you on what to invest in. In regards to the overall approach, I think it's really important to, as soon as possible, get together with an advisor, get a great plan in place, and really stick to that over the long term through the ups and downs. It's really, really hard to time markets, like when to buy and when to sell consistently. And if you look at you know any chart of the historical growth of different areas of the markets, like an index chart, for example, you'll see that they tend to go up over time and through the ups and downs, so long as you stay invested, you're actually able to experience some of the great returns that equity markets have offered over time. When you try to time things and and figure out when to buy and sell, there's a lot of evidence out there that shows that it tends to detract from your overall performance long-term. So to answer your question, that's the first part, what to invest in some general thoughts uh, and how to invest, you know, get a plan together, stick with that plan long-term. Yeah. And it's, oftentimes boring, right? The right thing to do is really consistent investing, especially if you're younger, you look at these things. One of our big philosophies here in my practice is find great managers and let them manage. Mm -hmm. So the managers you'd mentioned before, uh, clients of ours will have some of them, especially Mark Schmel in the portfolio, really, really like him. His Mm -hmm. humility and his style is, is, uh, is refreshing and whenever we have an opportunity to see him uh, talk on on what he's doing he's one of the most interesting fund managers i think i've ever seen so let's go to the reverse like so say we don't have time and you're either nearing retirement or you're in retirement are there still some ways that that we can take advantage of the downturn or should people closer to retirement just stay away and go to something safe like uh you know, money under my pillow. We're not recommending that. That's a joke. Um, but you know what I'm saying? I, I know what you're saying. And, you know, it, it really depends. It really depends. Like if, if you need to take all of your money out within the next year or two, and maybe equity markets and the risk, riskier areas of fixed income may not be right for you. And you might be better suited to something a little bit more short-term oriented. But if you're going to be holding this throughout retirement and perhaps even drawing income from your investments throughout retirement, then I think you may want to consider investing in some sort of diversified portfolio with the appropriate allocation to fixed income and cash to meet your risk requirements. So, you know, if I had a portfolio and I planned on retiring in the next year or two, 
but I wanted to draw income off of those investments throughout my retirement, then I would think it's really, really important to be invested in a diversified portfolio and have some equity exposure as well to help generate some returns to sustain that cash flow over time. So, you know, maybe something like a balanced 60-40 portfolio with exposure to some of the areas I've mentioned earlier could be appropriate. Because, you know, if we can generate 5% per year, then that's 5% of my investment portfolio that I can draw down every single year to meet my cash flow requirements without even touching my principal. And if I have a more aggressive cash flow requirement, then perhaps it's even more important to have a good diversified portfolio that's aligned with my goals. There's also you know, a, a retirement trend out there where people are retiring earlier and spending more time in retirement. Right. So if that's your case, then you know, perhaps you need a bigger equity allocation than you, than you might have thought appropriate initially. If you're going to be in retirement for 30 to 40 years, you probably need to be considering ways to generate some growth with your portfolio to sustain yourself through that long, long period of retirement. Uh, but, you know, I talked to the importance of talking to an advisor earlier. I think it's important at any age. There's so much evidence out there that shows the power of working with a financial advisor and how it leads to clients retiring wealthier. But especially if you want to retire soon and you're unsure of what you should be doing, or you have unique or complicated circumstances, I think it becomes even more important to talk to a, an advisor uh, and figure out what the right approach for your unique circumstances is. That's great feedback. I, I find sometimes people get very, I guess, binary is probably the right word to use whenever they're thinking of their investments. They think, well, I'm either going to be all in the market mm-hmm. or I'm going to be all in GICs. And so it's like, there's this big, I got, I got to go all GICs now because I'm in retirement. I always tell people, listen, try to see your money in three ways. And this may, at the risk of over, oversimplifying, three buckets, the money I need today, and let's say that's one to five years from now, the money I need tomorrow, let's say that's five to 10 years from now, and the money I need later, meaning it could go to my kids, it could be part of my estate plan and an inheritance for the children, that kind of thing. And one of the dangers that we can run into is where we manage all of the money as if it's one pot mm-hmm. instead of looking at it in those at least three different areas because mm-hmm. there's real downsides to falling to one end or the other of that like you say you have the money you need today sitting in this in all inequities and you're sitting in the middle of COVID-19 but you're going to call your advisor frantic worried what in the world's going on but if the money you need today is somewhere safe and the money you need down the road is somewhere safer, but has the opportunity to grow. And, and then again, long-term down the road. So it's, yeah, you're right. It's really important. And it sounds cliche to say, talk to an advisor and make a plan, but it's true because especially if you get to retirement and especially if you've been fortunate enough to have a decent retirement, why wouldn't you have a plan that goes beyond, well, I, I don't feel great or I feel like I need money, or I feel this, so all this, or all that. Emotions are not a great financial plan. Having those broken up is so important to do, and let's face it, right now, with interest rates so low, I think clients have to think of things like inflation eating away at their portfolio, maybe more than they ever have or have in recent history. So all of those things play into me being able to keep my money lasting as long as I need it to. I think that's really well said. And you make a great point. Like rates are so low. If you're invested just in GICs, there's a different type of risk called shortfall risk or not being able to meet your goals. 
And I think you run that risk um, today in those some of those areas of the market that are much more conservative. And to your point, I don't think it's ever good to make binary decisions, right? You don't want to be just all in equities or all in GICs or even within equities, just all in growth stocks or all in value stocks. You know, you can you can create these different buckets that that align with different goals or stages of your life that you have and manage those appropriately as well. So I think that's well said. Yeah. Well, I, I would say in my time in the business, 13 short years, most of the time where you see somebody, they've told you a story about when they got out of the market and how markets were bad or the investments they had were bad. You could argue about whether they were good investments or not, but a lot of it comes back to, listen, you took their money and you put it in the wrong place. Mm-hmm. Well, this has been a, a great update on the markets and an overall sense of what to do. Obi, you've had some great things to say. I think this is going to be really valuable to our clients to listen to and to just take as uh, some information to help them navigate the markets right now. So I just want to say thank you on behalf of our clients for joining us today. It's been great to have you. No problem at all. It's been a pleasure to be here and uh, you know I hope to join you again sometime soon. Thanks for listening to The Clear Money Mindset. We at Davies Financial Sterling Mutuals are here to help you thrive with your finances. You can find us online at daviesfinancial.ca. For help with your personal finances, you can email us at office at daviesfinancial.ca. The opinions expressed are those of the participants and are for informational purposes only and do not necessarily reflect the views or opinions of Sterling Mutuals, Inc., Mutual funds provided through Sterling Mutuals, Inc. Commissions, trailer commissions, management fees, and expenses all may be associated with mutual fund investments. Please read the simplified prospectus before investing. Mutual funds are not guaranteed. Their values change frequently and past performance may not be repeated.